Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is uh, somebody who basically like works for our sponsor, Hubbard Radio. Mm-hmm. We are really grateful that they allow us to come in here and uh, use these podcast studios. They're a really great partner of ours. And so um, it was suggested that we bring in this guest today um, just to keep that partnership going because we've worked together in the past. Uh, so with me today is A.D. Roundtree, and he is the morning guy on KC. Welcome. Hey, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we met once before. And uh, it was kind of amazing uh, at Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. Yeah. And uh, I don't think any of us knew what to expect. We had been the beneficiary of, I think it was like a dollar of every ticket went to Trans-Siberian, went, a dollar of every ticket sale went to us. Mm-hmm. And you came on at the beginning of the show and you presented us a check. Yeah. And uh, then we got to, which was amazing, by the way, shout out to Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And then afterwards, we got to sit down and actually watch the show. And <laughs> and what a show it was. And what a show. It is like, it's like a rock opera of the likes of which I've never seen before. And we were like, we laughed, we cried at times. Like, it was pretty intense. Oh, the amount of production and pyro they had going during that thing is enough to make Metallica be like, hey, how are they doing this? Dude, my face was melting. And I feel like <laughs> when Metallica comes to Bush Stadium, like, they need to, like, take, like, a, I don't know, like, they, they need to talk take to the trans-cyber. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so for those people who don't know, there might be a couple people who don't know about Keishi. Mm-hmm. Um, Keishi's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Right? So I'm told, yeah. Right. So growing up in St. Louis, I don't think I realized that it was a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. You saw Sweet Mead and my dad worked in construction, so all of his friends listened to Keishi. I don't really think, though, until I was an adult, moved away and came back that I realized how big of a deal Keishi is. Mm. So what's some of the lore about Keishi and how did you feel when you were asked to come here because you're not from here originally no no tremendously honored i'm sort of from everywhere yet nowhere like i I was talking to uh one of my co-hosts john you man yes and we were trading notes i was like you've been here same station for 46 years how many times have you moved in your life he was like ah since i was born six he's like what about you i was like 33 and that discounts the six years i spent in the middle mostly living out of hotels and on tour buses when i was in a band so no it was but uh, casey is a legendary thing i grew up in london and i remember being at concerts back in the day when i was a kid and seeing all these t-shirts sometimes guys in bands would be wearing them sometimes people in the audience would be wearing them with you know a pig smoking a couple joints on it and i was (laughs) just like okay what's that all about and then got to america go on tour learn about Casey, learn about it, and understand what just a huge, historically significant behemoth of rock it is. And when I got the call to work here, like my my boss, um, uh, the guy who kind of runs everything around here, a guy called Tommy Matter, and he has this thing where he was like, uh, we find talented people and then we work on a way to get them into the mm. building. What are you interested in doing around here? You could be on The Point. You could be on Casey. You could kind of do anything. Um, and I was like, well, thank you. But I'm only interested in one thing, and that's doing mornings on Casey. And Whoa. so it took 
many years of conversation for the right time to come up during which time I was doing a bunch of stuff. But I'd, I'd known about Keishi since I was a little kid, since I saw the T-shirts in the pits at concerts. And, uh, and you know, it all led up to this. I'm very grateful. Yeah. And it's cool that it's based here, that mm-hmm. it hasn't been you know, kind of bought out and, you know, conglomerated and all of that stuff. Like it's, it even when you look in the studio, like I know it's since moved a couple of times, but it, it looks like it's been around. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, big part of my want and desire to come here besides the fact that I love the company, I love the people and Casey's a legendary station. You know, we, we talk about mental health on this podcast, I guess. Yes. Um, but yeah, a, big, we'll get there. a big part <laughs> of it was that it was here. It was local. And before I was, I'd moved a bunch. Um, the company I worked for before would you know put you on a station You'd be there for a few years, then you'd stay on that station as you move somewhere else. So mm-hmm. I moved around the country a good deal, and I was, I was on about fifty stations. And it sounds cool, but I was spread very, very thin. Yes. And um, Casey Hubbard has always been very different situation where it's it's live, it's local. There's a warmth and a realness to it that you get from being able to focus on one thing that is just not what you hear coming out of the speakers for other stations across the country. So to come here and focus on it and have it be local and fully, fully invested in the community and everything else that a station that's been going this long has. Yeah, since the 70s, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. And like 67, 67. And so speaking of, you know, the local aspect and the tie to mental health. I mean, you're here today because Hubbard has been great partners with us. We, um, one of our board members, Patty Price, has just been an incredible champion, but lots of other people too, in thinking about how we can utilize what we bring to the table as a nonprofit dedicated to reducing and preventing the harms of substance use disorder and promoting mental health. How can we use that Combine it with the platforms that you all have, the resources that you all have, whether that's on air, on the radio, whether that's through the digital piece um, or like the live spots, Mm -hmm. you know, and this has nothing to do with us in particular. But at the topic, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, talk about hyper local. I mean, you were like, maybe I'm wrong. You were in like Jefferson County or something with a bunch of bikers who were riding like against heroin. Uh, Well, it was. um, Yeah, no, it was it was a benefit. Uh, for a bunch of different things, but it was essentially uh, I was in yeah Cedar Hill, yeah, and it was Got bikers relatives in Cedar Hill, yeah, woo, woo. yeah yep. woo, woo, Cedar Hill. It was uh, um it was a bunch of bikers. It was called Bi- Bikers for Babies, yes. and it was specifically to raise funds and awareness for children that were born addicted to substances. Which um, is crazy mm-hmm. that they have somebody from Casey, which is a big radio station. The morning guy mm-hmm. comes there highlights the cause highlights the the organization you go to cedar hill i mean to go back a step like if you're working for a different kind of company you're probably not doing a ton of those things or maybe you are but maybe it feels different uh no i mean and this was a you know this was a very specific thing um there's times where you get an opportunity to help and i have just you know through through trial and error mostly error uh, come to the conclusion that if you ever have an opportunity to help someone and you can you should just do it and mm-hmm. it was you know it, I, it was a crowd full of people that 
their hearts were definitely in the right place and this is something they've been doing for years and if we can put a little extra muscle behind it if we can help raise funds if we can help raise awareness if we can just whatever we can bring to it i think we should whenever we can so when the idea was brought to you about doing these promotional spots and and talking about these medication disposal bags to to dispose of safely Mm -hmm. you know prescription opiates or or you know, things like that, medications. Were you voluntold? Did you raise your hand? Had you had some previous experience with prescription medicine where you were like, oh, this is me? This well, is me. I, I've never had a problem with prescription medication, but I, you know, a I knew prevent ed, preventing, you know, uh, preventing drug addiction through education is one of the most important things that I think you can do to help a community. So, you know, Thank knowing you, you guys were, yeah, knowing you <laughs> folks were involved, I was all in right away. But also, I, uh, I, uh, I'm a. I'm a typical Gen X kid. I grew up skateboarding and you know, riding motorcycles and doing a whole bunch of dumb stuff. And so now those were pigeons. Cool. Were you cool? I, I don't know come about on. that. But now those pigeons, those those Gen X action sports pigeons have come home to roost. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of bones in my body that aren't awesome. So, you know, this ankle, <laughs> this ankle from doing dumb stuff on half pipes goes out on a regular basis. And the last time it did, I remember I was at the doctor. They were giving me crutches and I was in tremendous amount of pain and they're like okay so here's your opioid painkillers i was like no i'm good just you know give me the uh give me the extra strong tie and all and good to go and they're like well you should just have them i was like i don't want them and they said why i was like i hear they're very addictive and i'm not interested in inviting that into my life and they said do you have a problem with opioids i was like no i'm not trying to and they're like well just take them just in case and i was like you suspect me of having a problem with this and yet you are handing me a bottle with the street value of god knows what and i'm having to fight to not take these things and that was the first time i was like oh I see how this happens. Mm-hmm. I see how this happens to people that are not thrill seekers. You know, I've, you know, you're out and about in the world of clubs and rock and roll and all of the above, and you see a lot of people doing a lot of things to get to a point where they, you know, are uh, kind of can forget who they are for a little bit right. uh, and escape for a little bit. And the recreational side of it. I get that, you know, like I understand that. I understand what yes. motivates it. Sure. But the whole how do you curiosity? Yeah. Just like you know. Whatever, just yeah, yep, and and so escaping, having fun, you know, that made sense to me. But the notion that people could get addicted post surgery, post some sort of procedure, what, what and I was like, I it didn't, it wasn't really clear to me how that happened. And then I saw up close mm-hmm. and personal, I was like, they're literally trying to physically push this bottle of pills into my hand, and I was just like, ah, I had to fight to say no. And when you have taken time off work. When you have paid, you know, for a certain thing, when we're accustomed to going to a doctor and we need to leave with something, we need Mm -hmm. to leave with a diagnosis, we need to leave with medicine, even if we don't have an addiction or a substance use disorder, keeping those things around because we don't want to get rid of them because we've spent our hard-earned money and time and whatever on those things – that can these things have value to, exactly mm-hmm. right and for that person who comes in who like to your house or you know like your kid or whatever who is is experimenting then they don't they don't know so it's like how can we get those medications like out which i know people want to hold on to them no right? there's a dollar value there, associated yes, with that's it. right that's right
So you have done a lot of work even before, I mean, from what I understand, your entire career, you've really devoted your time and your platform to um, mental health and promoting the importance of taking care of ourselves and really, um, you know, making sure that we're putting our oxygen mask on. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about why you decided to use your platform for that? Because some people would be like, no, man, like that's my personal business. So I'm not going there. Oh, I mean. <laughs> or like I'm a rocker. Like I'm really not going there. You uh, know? No, I've seen, you know, up close and personal. Uh numerous instances of things going bad for folks uh you know i've been affected by addiction and su you know suicide um i've been affected by people uh, having mental health that's crumbling a little bit mm -hmm. i've been you know like I, I i've had a pretty close brush with a lot of these things never never the addiction fortunately um you know like like a lot of i mean if you give an eight like i got a record deal when i was a teenager and if you give a teenager no way, a credit card that's and the, cool yeah, it was cool but if you give a teenager a tour bus and a credit card uh there's, yeah, a, right. there's exactly. a certain amount of uh there's a certain amount of wrongdoing that can happen and fortunately i never got into anything over my head and then um, well, I do remember I had one conversation. My parents were, you know, like were hippies and they knew I was messing around with stuff. My dad was also a lawyer, but like I'm here, I'm this teenager. And once we started to tour internationally and I was getting on planes and crossing borders and stuff, my father said to me, mm. he's like, everything that you've got going on now, like all the good stuff that you've got going on, you know, you know how you got a college scholarship and bailed on that to be in this rock band and how you're having a really good time. If you forget that you've got something on you that you shouldn't have and you get on a plane, all of it's over. And because of that, I was like, you know, I was just like, I do misplace a lot of things. You know, I do. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, I can totally see that happening. And yeah, so right. like I was having such a good time being in a band and making music and all of the above and, you know, seeing the world that I was like, all right, I'm now done with anything that could get me into jail. So I was I was able to set that aside. But, you know, a lot of people I know have uh, not so much. And you, you see it. You see the uh, painful effects that it has on people. You see lives. It ruins. And. Um, you know, then you experience a collateral damage yourself of being like, ah, we're supposed to play a show and mm -hmm. this guy can't sit up, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, uh, mm -hmm. so I just, I've never wanted to, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily my thing, but it's one of my things. Um, and I just, that happened. And then there was a really profound moment where I was in, I was, uh, I was in San Diego and a veterans organization came to tour the radio station. A bunch of listeners came in from the local VA and, uh, these guys were guys who, you know, better, stronger, more accomplished men than I will ever be. You know, these are guys that, you know, combat veterans that stared death in mm -hmm. the eye and being like, yeah, bitch, what else you got? Mm -hmm. You know, they bring were, it. Yeah. And I was like, you've done so much for us. You know, like I'm a goofball that plays Zeppelin and makes oh. fart jokes on the radio. <laughs> what could I, what could I possibly do for you? And there, and I'll never forget this veteran who was like, probably in his 60s, battle-hardened dude, looks at me, he's like, anything you can do to make it easier to talk about mental health totally. is is very important, and that is how you can give back to us, because we all advocate for it, but it can be very difficult advocating for yourself, and I think there's that big barrier where a lot of people can be like, you should talk to someone about that, and then when it's time for you to talk to someone about something, it's it's difficult. It there's there's 
shame and weakness associated with all of it. And so I was just like, if these guys with everything they've seen, done and been through can struggle with this. And if that's what they ask me to do when I have an opportunity to do it, why the hell would I not? It is really profound. And, you know, we've had similar conversations with Learn, with Rafe, um, but also with Anthony Stalter. And what's what I appreciate about what they have said, and you've said something like very similar. It's like you have been through hard work and time. You've been given a platform. Right. And this is a tool that you have. So the fact that you can use it to elevate topics like mental health in addition to you know cute dogs and you know stuff like that like all Mm -hmm. important right yeah but to be able to break down the you could say stigma you could say prejudice where somebody can listen and go oh he's just like me Mm -hmm. or she's just like me or i like rock music i like rock music and i love you know heavy metal but i also get really sad sometimes Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that's okay Mm -hmm. like it's it's um, it's a gift that even being here today, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, like even being here today and being a musician, being on Keishi and being able to sit here and talk about mental health and why it's important and how you've been impacted by substance use disorder and suicide, like that is a gift that is far more valuable to us than if you wrote a check oh well no i I mean honestly i 100 percent agree with that only because you know i did uh we did we did uh an event for the american society for uh, or american foundation for suicide prevention last friday walk i know no no, this was a beach volleyball event oh cool fun and you know there was a whole bunch of people there and it was a fun time and it was glow in the dark beach volleyball and the people that organized it were fantastic and uh an organization called spike out suicide um Hence volleyball. Yeah. I, I'm not right down. Uh, oh no, I great. I love them. You should meet them. You should yes, hang out. That's pretty you, great. Uh, you should all go bowling or play we, volleyball. Or together. play volleyball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm terrible. And Let, you let's know, do it. they were very passionate about the cause, and they had all these fantastic fundraising things that they were doing, and you know, they were kind of focused on that. I was like, that's great, you know, and I hope you do well, and I think they did. Um, but the real value is, you know, you've gathered a bunch of people here together. You put smiles on their faces doing something fun. And you've also united a bunch of folks in the knowledge that this is real. We're talking about it. And I think that can literally be a life-saving thing. So if you can do these things in a context where it's not a big, heavy conversation, I think a lot yes. of the time, you know, it, it, I, I hate using this word because I feel like it's been overused recently, but it does normalize talking about this stuff. And and, and I think that's incredibly valuable. And I, I've, you know, I've dealt, I, I have a, I, I have a whole bunch of stuff going on up here. A lot of people, like I said, will tell me like, oh, you're so, you know, like happy go lucky and upbeat and positive. I was like, it takes some work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, you know, it's a constant and daily management of this stuff. I have really bad ADHD. I have really bad depression. I am very badly dyslexic, which, uh, you know, led to me being sat in the back of the class and told I was stupid when I was a kid. And so, you know, you, you walk around with this stuff your whole life yep. and then you kind of figure out the appropriate workarounds for it. Um and I think when I find something that works for me, I want to I want to share it a little bit. And I do notice like you can't 
you can't go on the air and go, hey, anybody else depressed? But yeah. I do, <laughs> right. like, I do, right. you know, like, anybody else think everything effing sucks and yeah. you can't be bothered? And... Anyone else have a hard time getting out of bed this morning? Yeah, uh, yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I do find, I, the, but whenever I've talked about depression even a little bit or any kind of mental health issue on the air even a little bit, it's like a floodgate opens and people reach bet. out to me online, people, the phones light up and, and you just know people are, are going through it and feeling it every single day so i will tell you this as well i do i do my very best like it's goofy fart jokes and led zeppelin and slap ass humor and all the things that we do which i love because you know it's fun uh but i it's my job to if you're listening to me it's my job to get you out of the car happier than when you got into it and ready to kick your day in the junk. That's sort of the mindset I go in with every single day. And I find (laughs) focusing on that, other people's happiness is more often than not going to be the thing that helps me leave my garbage at home. So it's, you know, in a way trying to brighten someone's day is, is a bit self-serving, but you know, radio is, is, it is what it is, but, um, and it's fun and it's companionship and everything else, but it is, it is my little way of trying to leave the world a bit better than I find it every single day. And, you know, hopefully turn somebody's frown upside down. Right. Right. So you mentioned, um, that you read. And, uh, so I'm wondering if. Yeah. Looks like we got ourselves a reader. (laughs) Well, well, you know, I mean, what I was going to ask is like, is that something you do kind of to release? I mean, I know you have a dog. So what do you do? Do, are you one of those people that just like loses yourself in books and that's sort of how you rejuvenate? I mean, because I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that as extroverted as you are, there's a huge part of you that really needs to recharge once I, you're on. See, that's I'm not. I'm not at all. Like, I think a lot of people in radio are extroverts. I am, you know, when I'm not doing this, when I'm not working, I'm kind of done talking. Right. You know, I'd much rather listen and than talk. it's draining, yeah, isn't it? I, it is so draining. Well, I think that's the how they define it. You know, introvert, extrovert is not, you know, do you like going out? It's does being out and about with people take energy or is it something that you use to recharge and I love people and I think it's so good to get outside of yourself and all of the above but it is it's work my my wife and I have this expression (laughs) which is I want to have fun but I'm tired (laughs) (laughs) yes you know like all this stuff sounds great but uh, so the things I do to kind of like I I am a big believer in talk therapy. There have been uh, times where I've sought it out. Um, and uh, preach at a therapy uh, session this morning. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I'm overdue for some more. Uh, <laughs> like, but um, you know, so there's that. I also uh, I found the one thing, the two things consistently that help me manage my state of mind are exercise and meditation. Um, okay. I go to the gym three times a week, not because I'm a gym bro or any of the above, but I find that. I find if I, the 4th of July weekend where we had two days off, like that meant, you know, two days I wasn't in the gym, you know, like the Friday before and the Monday after. And I felt it by Tuesday mm-hmm. when that rolled around. I'm like, I am itchy. I am, you know, like it's weird. neurotransmitters, 100%. man. And the flood of the dopamine.
dopamine and the mm-hmm. endorphins and everything. I mean, like you said, even if you're not a gym bro rat type mm-hmm. of thing, it's just and and it's the routine too for a lot of people. It is the stability of the routine. Like my wife jokes with me, but I rely heavily on routine and things being a certain way. As though I'm very much a lucky underwear person in the way I go through life, and you know she'll she'll be like, "You want to watch this movie?" I'm like, "No, can't. Haven't seen the first one yet." And this is a sequel, and she'll always say to me like, "Sure are a lot of rules." I'm like, "Yes, they are," and they keep everything afloat. That's right. They but, keep everything going keep here. Everything... The trains are running on time. Yeah. Don't mess it up. Yeah, exactly. But so I uh, and I do like my last therapist. Um, I remember once saying to him, "I was like, I think I'm depressed." He was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're yes." <laughs> Newsflash: you, got, you are. Yeah, yeah, you're very badly depressed. And you know, at the time, there was a bunch of stuff going on. He's like, "And if you weren't, I'd be worried because you'd be a sociopath." And I was like, "Cool." So well, I'm not a sociopath. Yeah. Sweet. And, he, and I was like, uh, can you prescribe me something for that? And he was like, I could, but that would affect your personality. How mm. important is your personality? Because I've heard your show. And uh, and I, I was like, ah, personality sort of pays the mortgage. And he was like, why don't you exercise? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if you can commit to exercising three times a week to the point of sweating and getting your heart rate up, it releases a lot of the same uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors into your bloodstream directly without having to go for meds. And I was just like, okay. I, I, you know, like I, I like, I like sedentary and donuts and, and he, but so I did it and I was like, oh, damn, if he wasn't right, mm-hmm, you know, I do feel better mm-hmm, about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, so, uh, that is, that's a big part of how I manage it. And then I, I discovered, um, I, I, I discovered like transcendental meditation, you know, all the people that I care about the most in this world, uh, you know, Howard Stern, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, the Beatles, the guys in Beastie Boys, you know, uh, all these people that I put up on a pedestal for many years, uh, they all swear by it. And I was like, yeah, seems to be good for creative folks. Why don't I give that a go? And so uh, every single morning before I go to work, whether it's, you know, I got time for five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. I, and and we're t- this is what, like three in the morning? Like four uh, in yeah. The morning? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. And it's a crazy thing because I used to just do it in the afternoon because it seems weird. Like, okay, I'm up. Now it's time to relax. But right. it just makes a big <laughs> yes. difference in terms of all of that do you stuff. Do you use an app or do you just kind of. Started with an app and then got to the point where I, I didn't feel like I needed it. Um, and just there's a. Uh, I don't. I think it's still available on the App Store. Uh, it's a weird place to get your, your meditation. Uh, it's it, not. Like, That's what we teach teenagers. We just did a leadership camp, and one of the um, and the, these are for high schoolers. And one of the sessions was about stress and how to manage and how to cope, you know, just with life stress. But then also when they've got like some significant stuff happening mm-hmm. in their lives, and um, we were giving them all of these different apps, and they were automatically took out their phones and were downloading them. One girl used it that night. I there- mean. There's a, there's a guy called Russell Simmons who is responsible. He he ran Def Jam Records. Okay, yes, he was okay, responsible yes. for like, Beastie Boys and Run DMC okay. and all of these folks. And he got very big into meditation. meditation. He has an app called Meditation Made Simple. And I've always heard about the transcendental meditation, but you got to go to school. You got all this sort of stuff. And it's, you know, it's a big investment of time and yeah. a certain investment of money. And he was like... Like a lot of great uh, hip hop moguls, he basically took it and remixed it. Um, and he was just like, <laughs> he, he said, like, if you want to go to a transcendental meditation school, you might learn something quite similar to this, or you might find 
this is all you ever need. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So I learned how to do transcendental. I, I learned how to transcendentally meditate from Russell Simmons' app, Whoa. and then um, you know he he gives you a mantra, and uh, and huh. and I've just you know held on to that one wow. um, ever since. And uh, do you pick your? Oh, I'm not asking you what it is. Do you pick your own mantra? Or no, he gives it he, to you. He gives it to you. Yeah, yeah, and um, huh. and it you know it made sense to me when I discovered like the logic behind it. Meaning you're focusing on one thing that is meaningless, and it you know it it sort of settles down the rest of your stuff and allows you to uh, allows you to um, I, I guess think differently and free your mind up in, in certain ways. And it, I'll never forget. When I was growing up, with my uh, one of my favorite things to do was to play catch with my dad. Not only because love baseball and it was time with my dad and everything else, but I found I had the best conversations totally. with him while doing that. And when I put it all together, I was like, "Oh, that's because we're not focused on the conversation. We're focused on the ball. So our mind is going interesting in different places." And that those were the times where I really, really managed to connect. We when we we do a lot of education uh, sessions, like parent meetings for parents of middle and high school students and middle in particular, right? Mm -hmm. They had this like sweet child that loved them. And now middle school, it's like, you know, all hell is breaking loose. And they're like, what happened to my child? Well, a big part of the parent meetings is all about the brain science Mm. because where they're interpreting information will depend on how they're receiving the information. And so like, so where they're interpreting it in their brain depends on how they're actually going to receive it. So if you just say, hey, would you mind taking the trash out? Where they're getting that is in their emotion center and they Mm -hmm. hear you saying, why can't you take the trash out? And that's why they're like, oh, why are you always yelling at me? And you're like, I'm not really yelling. (laughs) You're always yelling at me. But anyway, a solution to that, because the eye contact, particularly for middle and high schoolers, is really intimidating. Right. We're always telling kids, like, look us in the eye. Well, that's like we're basically like drawing laser beams to their emotion center, like asking them to, to fight mm-hmm. off. Right. Yeah. And so we suggest like doing something, playing basketball, ha- try to have a conversation in the car. I mean, isn't that when the conversations that are best always happen when you're on like a road trip and like you just get lost in the conversation because you're not paying attention to that person sitting right next to you. Yeah. You're like, looking at the cows on the side of the road or, you know, the radio in the background or whatever. Yep. And I do find, I do find meditation is probably, uh, the closest thing. I, I the things that I used to look for from, uh, substances and alcohol, I, the closest I can get to that is, is through meditation. You know, like mm. I, I, you're looking for a change in your state of mind. You're like, you had a long day. Yep. Uh, you want to crack a couple cold ones and, and hang out and talk with, you know, your buddies or what have you, or you, you want something that gets you out of whatever it is that sucked. Yes. And so, you know, like the meditation I find is it helps me set aside anger, frustration, you know, anxiety, sense that the world's going to come to a crashing halt or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like five minutes later, 10 minutes later, I've, that hasn't changed, but my response to it has in the same way that I think, you know, your response changes to stuff after nine or 10 Heineken's. Totally. Wow. Uh, this was a great conversation, Ed. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you had an early morning, so thanks for sticking around and, and doing this with us. Really appreciate you. Um, if you liked what you heard, uh, please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing. That would be awesome to the Preventable Podcast.
Thank you so much. Can I come back? This was yeah, fun. Yeah, right, anytime. Sweet. Standing invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.